Where are we? I'd like you to open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 15 for a moment. Uh, Proverbs chapter 15 so you can get ready. Um, we have been looking at the book of Proverbs topically and we are looking at the practical area of uh, spiritual wisdom in case uh, you haven't been with us or you have forgotten. So we're trying to look at those practical areas of our spiritual life uh, that we need to be paying attention to so that we can have a spiritual walk that's honoring as encouraged through the book of Proverbs to us. Spe excuse me, specifically, we looked at the first area of trusting God. That is, we know where to do that, but what Proverbs has to say about trusting, such as, for example, even when we don't understand things, not leaning on our understanding, trusting what God and his word has said, and to follow through, we can rely on who God is. And this, an area that I was going to get to anyway, and I thought it would be appropriate to address it now since we have that emphasis uh, immediate before us as a church, is the area of prayer to dovetail it into this morning's message and um, next week's Lord willing in the morning and uh, the goals that we have as a church. So as we come to Proverbs, there are a few things that are said here in Proverbs regarding prayer, and I think they can be... Uh, an encouragement to us uh, as well as a challenge to our thinking when we look at them. So in Proverbs 15 is the first one that I want us to take a look at. There's a, a few here in Proverbs that we'll look at tonight, and I will expand into some other passages of Scripture just as a one case of warning, other cases of support. But Proverbs 15, I'd like to have us pay attention to verses 8 and 9. I'll read them to us. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Contrast are the proverb here. But the prayer of the upright is his delight. And the Proverbs, remember in our introduction to Proverbs way back when, verse 9 goes with it. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves one who pursues righteousness. And righteousness and uprightness is tied in in verses 8 and 9. And wickedness and abomination are tied in again in verses 8 and 9. And you see sandwiched in there the concept of prayer. Now, what's, a couple of comments on this right away before we get encouraged by the fact that the Lord does answer the prayer, you know, the, uh, or delights in, is what I want to say, delights in the prayer of the upright. God required sacrifice. Let's not mistake that. God had required that in the Old Testament economy, and there was the requirement to bring sacrifice. And very frequently, I know in my thinking, when we hear such things as the sacrifice of the wicked, or the way of the wicked, who comes to our minds first? Huh? Satan, okay, or? Because he's not going to have too many sacrifices. What? The unsaved or the heathen, right? We would never think of that talking about or even possibly being covered by that, the concept of someone that knows the Lord or professes to know the Lord as being involved in the sacrifice that would be an abomination before the Lord, right? We don't think that way. Um, however... We need to understand that in this proverb, that covers all of the areas. Any type of sacrifice 
that is coming from a, a wicked person, in what sense? When they're not pursuing righteousness, when they're not pursuing godliness, when they're not pursuing that, whatever they're doing, in a sense, even if it is sacrifice, and it may be what God has required, now stay with me, it might not be pleasing at all. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about, just so I, I bring some clarification here. Turn me to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. Now again, we don't bring animal sacrifices. That is not the case, and I will deal with some practical things, I hope, by application, application. And the point of the proverb is, there could be a lot of sacrifices going on, but if it's coming from a wicked heart, if it's coming from a wicked person, that's the point. Uh, the motives are wrong. Someone who's involved in wickedness, that's an abomination, even though it's a sacrifice. But what he really delights is in the prayer of the upright, in the prayer of those who are pursuing righteousness, verse 9. But just to see a little bit of what I'm talking about in Isaiah, it's a little lengthy passage, but I, I want you to catch it. It's chapter 1. Let me follow it along. Uh, whoop, I'm in the Song of Solomons. That won't help you. Song of Solomon. I looked down, I said, that's not the right verses. Okay. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. Um, let me read the beginning of Isaiah. Why is my Bible stuck here? Keeps, every time I turn from one page to the other, it goes right back to the Song of Solomon. Okay, anyway. All right, here we go. First, I'll just read the first 17 verses. It says, The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, concerning Judah and Jerusalem, which he saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Listen, O heavens, and hear, O earth, for the Lord speaks. Sons I have reared and brought up, that is the nation, but they have revolted against me. An ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's manger, but Israel, who is God's people, does not know me. My people do not understand, alas, sinful nation. In other words, they were wicked. They shouldn't have been, and they professed to be the people of God. People weighed down with iniquity. That was in their life. Offspring of evildoers. Sons who act corruptly. Watch this. They act corruptly. They have abandoned the Lord and have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from Him. Where will you be stricken again as you continue in your rebellion? The whole head is sick, the whole heart is faint, from the sole of the foot even to the head, there is nothing sound in it, only bruises, welts, and raw wounds, not pressed out or bandaged, not softened with oil. You can see this vivid picture that God is given, giving us about the nation of Israel who have turned away from him, and basically like a sick body, a sick head, they don't even know their owner. He says, verse 7, Your land is desolate, your cities are burned with fire, your fields, st uh, strangers are devouring them in your presence. It is a desolation, is overthrown by strangers. The daughter of Zion is left like shelter in a vineyard, like a watchman's hut in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. Unless the Lord of hosts had left us a few survivors, we would be like Sodom, 
and we would be like Gomorrah. There's the picture. The picture is their lives are nothing like what it should be. They had turned away from God. But I want you to notice this. Watch what's still going on. Verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom, directed toward the rulers. Give ear to instruction of our God, O you people of Gomorrah. What are your, uh, excuse me, what are your multiplied sacrifices to me? Were they continuing to sacrifice? Yes. What are they, he says, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt uh, offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. What was going on? The nation of Israel, who were saying they were the people of God, they were, we know, chosen by God, and they were still involved in the sacrificial system. The priests were still leading them. The priests were still involved, and yet, as you see, their lives were an abomination. Verse 12, when you come to appear before me, they did, who requires of you this trampling of my courts? Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Were they bringing offerings? Yes, they were worthless. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies, I cannot endure iniquity in the solemn assembly. Watch this. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. So when you spread out your hands, watch in prayer. That's the idea. Now that in prayer is in italics, but that's the concept. They were still going through its sacrifices. They were still appearing to the Lord. They were still doing a lot of religious things. However, they were so far from God, it was pathetic. And he says, as he goes on here, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers. You can multiply them. You can continue on with prayers and upon prayers upon prayers. I will not listen. Why? Their lives. Your hands are covered with blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. And here it is. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil. And here it is. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless. Defend the often. And plead for the widow. And then he says, come now, let us reason together. I could go on with the whole chapter. I hope you're getting the point. There was a lot of sacrifices that were going on by the people that were called to be God's people under, though it does not say it there, the command of God to do it. But their lives were horrible and wicked, if you will, just like we have in Proverbs. So that is true. Yeah, sure, Satan, or sure, the, the heathen and their religious activity. But I want you to notice that it's also, it can have application even into our own lives. In what way, Pastor Dan? We don't bring sacrifices. But it's possible to come to the Lord with prayer, if you will, and what's involved is anything but what should be involved in our lives. And we're appealing to God. But he says the prayer of the upright, you'll notice in back in Proverbs 15, verse, one, uh, verse 8. And it says... But he loves the one who pursues righteousness. And that's what he called Israel to do. 
line your lives up with where it should be, not just the sacrifice. And if I can for a moment, what do you mean? What about application to us? Is there any application whatsoever? I think there is application. Is it possible to be involved in a very busy Christian life doing a lot without having our lives even pure, without having our lives even consistent with ministering to others? Yeah, let me give you an example. Turn with me to James chapter 2. I think it is. In James chapter 2, begins really in 14. I should probably read that. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he doesn't have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing, you're very familiar with the text, and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and fill, and you do not give them what is necessary for their body, and the implication in the verse is you had the ability to do that. He says, what is necessary for the body? What use is that? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. And the book of James deals with a lot of practical things. It deals with showing partiality and, you know, visiting orphans and things of that nature. And the, the point is this, again, in our lives, we may not be producing that which we should be producing or the Holy Spirit, I should say, producing through our lives, and it's not an upright life. So it isn't just saying that the saved, because that's often, I just wanted to deal with that, because oftentimes, just because I'm a believer, God delights in my prayer. Well, he delights in the fact you're coming to him, but he also wants a delight in the prayer of the upright, not just because of position in Christ, but because of condition in our walk and the way we should be. And the positive side of that is God delights in that. Even the, it's interesting because Proverbs addresses this, even the unsaved, and we talked about praying for the nation, so that comes to mind. Go to Proverbs 21 for just a minute. Proverbs 21. Not only does God raise up kings, but he controls the heart of the kings. Watch. Proverbs 21. I'm going to take it down to verse three, verse 3 just to deal with the concept of justice, righteousness, and sacrifice that I'm trying to talk about in Proverbs 15. The king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. God can raise up kings and God can use it. Every man's way, now watch this, every man's way is right in his own eyes, but the Lord is the one, he, he weighs the hearts, he weighs the motives. To do righteousness and justice is desired by the Lord, and this is the concept going back to Proverbs 15, more than sacrifice. And if you will allow me what I'm saying, even more than activity. Now, don't take me wrong. Should we be involved in serving the Lord, serving others, and involved in activity? The answer is absolutely yes. But I don't know of a church, no matter how small and no matter how big, that doesn't have this problem. And that is that it seems the same people are doing all the work and others aren't. Well, we should all be involved in the work of God. Or it doesn't have situations where there's a professing believer and their lives are not consistent with pursuing purity, pursuing righteousness, pursuing justice. And yet they're going through the motions with not sacrifices like the old system, but a lot of things. 
And in verse 4, he deals with the, uh, the haughty eyes and the proud spirit. And God is looking for humility in prayer. So we ought to be encouraged by, as believers that as we walk with him, if we're seeking to do his will, where does God really delight? He delights in having you come to him in prayer. And he wants that. And Proverbs says that. So it, it isn't just activity. It isn't just doing things. It's also the pursuit of an upright life and the pursuit, if you will, of righteousness that pleases the Lord. And with that person, God's ears are open up unto your cry and open up unto my cry. He's looking for humility. He's looking for that humble life. He's looking for that humble approach. We could go to Luke, but I won't go there. Let's turn to Proverbs 15, since we're in there, and look at verses 28 and 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, and here it is again. But he hears the prayers, the prayer of the righteous. Bright eyes gladden the heart, Good news puts fat on the bones. That's verse 30. I meant to read verse 38. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. You and I ought to be encouraged. We're told this morning we saw to ask. We're told in the book of Hebrews to come boldly to the throne of grace, to find grace in time of need. We have a high priest that who in all points has been tempted, yet without sin. He's still interceding. He's passed into the heavens. And we are invited and encouraged to come before the Lord. And he hears our prayers. Sometimes we wonder where the answer is and why he doesn't answer uh, quickly. But the timing is left with him. But he does hear us. And that is a delight to the child of God. Proverbs says that we ought to have our lives lined up and we ought to be there praying to the Lord because that is what pleases him and that is what he is listening to. It should be grounded in the word of God. Again, we see that in our prayer life. Proverbs 28, let's turn there. He who turns away his ear from literally listening to the Torah or listening to the law, even his prayer is an abomination. You see? There's one who, again, his life was turned away from what was the revealed word of God at that time, meaning the Torah, and God's ear is turned away. It isn't that God can't hear, by the way. God can hear any prayer, but will he pay attention and listen and, his, and so forth? Well, if, again if it's one that's turned away from the law and isn't desired to following the law. Now that comes in the context of a proverb that extends from verse 4. So I want to go back there. It says there, those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but those who keep the law, they strive with him. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all things. Why? It's because of the law, the Torah. Better is a poor is the poor who walks in his integrity than he who is crooked, though he is rich. He who keeps the law is a discerning son, but he who is a companion of gluttons humiliates his father. He who increases his wealth by interest and usury gathers it for him 
who is gracious to the poor. All of that context of law, 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 application of poor, application of humility, application of finances is summarized as it comes to a conclusion. And I thought Welke did the best that I saw. And that's what he said. It's a great summary of everything that was before it right there in verse 9. The one who turns away his ear from the law, bottom line is he can pray all he wants, to quote Walkie, and God's just not going to answer that prayer. Because our prayers should be with a life that's lined up, and it should be a life that's lined up because it's grounded in the instruction of the word of God. Again, some guidelines from Proverbs. God delights in having us come, but he delights when that comes with a life, and it comes with a person that is grounded in the word of God. There's another passage in Proverbs where prayer is brought up, again, by application for the life, and it's in Proverbs 21, so let's turn there. In Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21, beginning in verse 13. And we'll start with that. He who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be answered. A gift in secret subdues anger, and a bribe in the bosom strong wrath. The exercise of justice, there it is again, is joy for the righteous, but the terror of the workers of iniquity, but is terror to the workers of iniquity. What is that dealing with? What is it talking about? It mentions the word again in verse 13. Uh, it doesn't mention prayer, that his cry is not going to be answered. In this case, it's the negative side of it. I think, again, it's the practical application in our lives. Where are we in our lives? How are we ministering to those who have the needs? When we hear, when you hear as a congregation, someone's out of work, when you hear as a congregation, that someone is in need because of physical circumstances. When we hear as a congregation or as an, in, in an individual um, that there are some things that we could minister to, do you do the same thing that we just read in James? What? That is that we hear of the need and then we say, brother, I'm going to pray for you. When it is in our power to meet that need, and you say, I don't know, Pastor Dan, um, you know, things are pretty tight. The economy's difficult. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just struggling to make ends meet. Did you ever think that maybe part of that is because you are not looking out to meet the needs of others? You say, well, I'm, I'm struggling to get by. It doesn't mean that you have to meet all of the needs of everybody all of the time. But I really think as Christians, many times we're insensitive. We're insensitive. And then we're wondering why the Lord isn't supplying our need, so to speak. Or the Lord, it seems like we pray and, and it's just not being answered. I don't consider personally, and I could be wrong, Scott wouldn't certainly know better than I would, but I certainly don't consider us a very wealthy church. There are some people in some sense, I'm talking about with this world, and there are some who are really struggling very, very little, and there's others who are doing better than others and so forth, like in any church. 
but I don't think we're a church that we got people writing a million dollar check to us every week like some other churches do and or half a million dollars or stuff like that. But I will tell you this, even with the church that we have, we're probably more wealthy than we think we are. We probably have more people that do have money sitting in the bank and we do have situations where we have two or three or more items in a given area and someone has a need. Praise the Lord, I just heard that. You said working in the message. When I heard that, that's what came to my mind, knowing where I was going. Here you have Jose Estrada and his car dies and then someone provided it. Praise the Lord. I have no idea where that came. I don't want to know where it came. Praise the Lord, there's a van now provided for the church. We do have generous people like that, but all of us should be thinking in that direction. We should be thinking how we can minister, how we can meet the needs of those who have that struggle. That is where the Lord delights. That's what we started with in Proverbs 15. The one that's pursuing right in, in the life, the one who's caring about the poor, the one who's thinking about the orphan, the one who's thinking about how we can minister. You know, it doesn't always have to be financial. Sometimes it's with time, it's energy. Sometimes it's giving a ride. We have people that minister that way in this church, and I praise the Lord for it. That people need rides and they need transportation or they need to get to the doctors and they need to get to, and they're ready to do it because that's the way they can minister. Some who can't help that way and maybe you, you look at yourself and you say physically I can't get around and I don't have the finances. Well, let me even ask you that. Are you really praying that the Lord would help to meet that need? To help that individual? And the point is, again, God delights and listens to the prayers of the righteous. And that means, and that includes, not just positional salvation, but practical application in the life. And his ear is a deaf ear to those who doesn't meet those needs when it's in their power to do so. So what we see tonight is we see just three primary Proverbs. Those are the three major ones. There is a couple of other things in Proverbs regarding hearing. But the three in which the Lord delights. He delights in having us pray. We want to be a prayerful people. God will delight in that. But in line with that, make sure that as we're praying, we're not just busy. We're not just doing things for the sake of doing them. That's sacrifice. That's trying to win God's favor by doing things. No, we should be doing things because God wants us. We're obeying God's will in ministering to the saints. We're obeying God's will in caring one for the other as the body should, according to 1 Corinthians in chapter 12. And then when we come in prayer before the Lord, we want to know and we are assured that God delights in that. He delights in that prayer. His ears are open to that prayer. He is sensitive to that, and he will work among us. So make sure that as we're praying, we recognize that it is a delight to know we know God, and he listens to our prayers, but also that we are consistent with the word and consistent with our walk before him. We'll close here tonight. Let's pray. Our Father in God, I thank you and praise you that you do have your ears open to the ears and open to the prayers, I should say, of those who not just are righteous because we've been called in Christ, but who walk accordingly, who pursue justice, righteousness, who pursue the needs of others. And Father, so often we, if we're honest, sometimes have real legitimate needs, and then we pray, and Father, we are wondering why they're not answered, and yet we've heard the prayer requests of others and the needs of others, and we've become insensitive. Help us to be a, 
a family, a, a prayer team, a church that cares even like the early church did. So as they see needs of others arise, they'd even be willing to sell possessions if that was required to help a brother or sister in need. That Father, at work, we handle things in accordance with your word in the way we conduct our business, in our conversation, in our speech, consistent with the word. So that, Father, as we do come to you in prayer, it's coming out of a heart of sincerity, coming out of a heart that delights to do your will. And then, Father, we know that we have the assurance that you've heard our prayer and that you delight in that. You delight in our coming so that we should come more often and with everything, as we saw this morning. And in all times, we should not cease from praying. Father, just bless our evening now. Bless the fellowship that we'll be having around the refreshments you provided, and help us indeed to be a praying people. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay.